Don't give up on the dream, man. Don't give up on the dream. <laughs> Welcome to the Mojo Studios podcast, serving up bite-sized doses of delicious and nutritious insight and inspiration intended to ignite your mojo within and add fuel to the fire in your life. Absorb, digest, apply, repeat, dinner is served. I want to introduce you to a friend I've had for decades and who I'm very fond of back in college. Say hello to Robert Bradford. Thanks for having me on, Joe. I appreciate the opportunity to hang out with you and have this discussion. It's fantastic. Absolutely. So Robert and I met uh, back at what was then Southern California College, and it's now Mm -hmm. Vanguard University. And Mm -hmm. really where we bonded, bonded for life, I think, is in the worship team. Uh, We ended up being in a student-led worship team that would meet weekly on Wednesday night, and it was just a volunteer experience where students could gather together in the cafeteria to worship and so Robert and I and our friends spent a lot of time rehearsing preparing the music and then uh, being the worship leaders for the student body and mm-hmm. and that experience uh, led us to a lifelong friendship one of the things I didn't know until really till COVID hit and we reconnected is that you have become an ordained minister yourself what compelled mm-hmm. you to, to pursue that Robert? My sister actually has been bug. It was bugging me for most of my life, you know, telling me that, you know, you have a pastoral call on your life. You have a pastoral call on your life. You know, one time she's like, I'm putting you in my phone as Reverend Robert Bradford, you know. So there was that element. My dad was a my dad was a um, minister. He was a youth evangelist um, for years and years and years. Eric Montoya, a friend of mine, we we worked together in church and and that. He said, "Hey, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm doing a school of ministry thing. You should come with me. Have you ever thought about being a pastor?" <laughs> so, so they started, you know, God really started coming at me from all angles. So I got my sister in my ear. Now Eric's telling me I need to, you know, engage in the in the role that God had been calling me to in a more um, formal way. Uh, so I went. I got my credentials and and worked through that process. Yeah, very cool. Neither one of us are dressed in the right gear for the game this year, but a fan is a fan, whether or not your team goes to the to the big game. The reason I'm a Bronco fan is I grew up in Montana, and we didn't have any teams that were you know within 500 miles of us. So Denver was the closest professional team, and we became Denver fans just by geographical default. But I do remember when I was little, you know, John Elway, number seven, was the big deal, and he was fun to watch. And, you know, as a little kid, I was just enamored and, you know, was just was like a bigger than life hero on the field. And so I aspired, you know, one day I'm going to be a professional NFL quarterback. And my Scott, my little brother, he would hear me say that, you know, and he was all excited about it. And then I, by the time I got to high school, I knew that wasn't going to be my future. <laughs> and then I went off to Bible college to pursue the calling I felt God ahead of my life. And I remember coming back home one Christmas and Scott looks at me, he's like 14 years younger than I, and he looks up to me and he goes, so Joe, whatever happened to you being a professional football player? And I said, well, you know, Scott, just became clear that that really wasn't probably my giftedness. Uh, I don't have the, that level of talent. And, and I feel like, you know, God has something else for me. And he's thought about it for a second. He says, don't give up on the dream, man. Don't give up on the dream. <laughs> 
God had other plans for me, and, and my body probably is grateful for that. Whether you're an athlete or not, whether you're into athletics or you're a big fan or not, with the Super Bowl and with the Olympics and all the stuff that's you know coming at us, it's hard to ignore the influence of athletics on our culture and uh, on you know on our aspirations, on who we define as heroes and who we call heroes. I love the fact that the Apostle Paul, even in the scriptures, even does some references to athletics. He, he knows that, you know, that's what the audience is interested in. So he talks about we don't wrestle with flesh and blood, but we wrestle against the principalities and powers. And he talks about, you know, I run the race. And if you're going to run the race, run the race to win. Run it to win the prize. When Paul talks about us keeping our eyes on the prize, what's he talking about? What is that prize? And why does he say that? Why is that even important? What does it mean for us as men, as humans, as dads, as parents, right, as husbands? What does it mean for us to keep our eyes on the prize? What comes to mind for you? You know, I, I always try to start with why. You know, why would, why would I do that? Why am I in this? Why, you know, the question, why would I become a pastor in the first place? And the reason is that I, I want to see the world be a better place. I, I want to... I want to inspire people forward in a relationship with God so that they can live the best life possible. I mean, the, the church that I was part of, that I, I, I um, planted with uh, Eric, Eric, Ty, and I just, hey, be a pastor now, help me start a church. <laughs> you know, so that was one of those things. And, and, and the reason is, you know, we want to, we want to see the world be a better place. We want to invest. We want to, inspire people forward and, and engage them in this relationship with the Lord so that they can live the best life possible. And I know that that was Paul's heart. He, he wanted to introduce people to the gospel to, so that they could be saved, so that they could experience the love of Christ, the love of God in their life, and be able to share in the blessing of, of seeing them uh, better, healthier, stronger, more resilient, more able to deal with the life and times that they they dealt with when they were alive. And, it you know, it's just an exciting opportunity at that point to be a part of that. Yeah. Oftentimes we read, read the Bible with this almost a negative tone that when the Bible says don't do this and don't get caught right. with that, and we hear it almost like a school marm, you know, like you're going to get in right. trouble if you do these things. Right. And when, like you just said, really what – what the Bible is saying is there is a much better way for you to live a way that actually is fulfilling and full of joy and a purpose and meaning. And so the Bible isn't trying to kill our joy. It's actually trying to give us the right direction so that we can experience life to the full, as Jesus said, life in abundance. If you're a dad and you know full well that leading, you know, heading down this road, leading this particular life, style is detrimental to your kid what are you going to tell them you're going to tell them like don't do that so is it any wonder that god says hey um you know there's all these issues around living that kind of lifestyle it, it's it's going to be really unhealthy and bad for you so is it any surprise that he says don't do that right yeah. and so because you could live this you can have this lifestyle you can have this kind of joy you can you can have the joy and 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 experiences that lead to a sense of fulfillment. And don't you want that? And that's how God approaches us. Right. 
Yeah, you uh, if you if you read the Bible thoroughly, you'll see that there are both don't do this because that's going to be harmful, and right. do do this because right. it's going to be more fulfilling, more rewarding. Mm -hmm. You're going to feel mm -hmm. better about yourself. You're going to be able to feel better about your relationship with God, and you're going to be, you know, as you said, a, a better influence on those in your world. Yeah, you know, sometimes I get so caught up in the don'ts, I don't see the do's. <laughs> and I, I remember uh, there was a comedian, a Christian comedian when I was a kid, he says, you know, if you spend your time doing the do's, you won't have time to do the don'ts. And I thought, that brings back then to this passage where Paul is saying, you know, do this, run the race to win, keep your eyes on the prize. He even says, Paul says, I buffet my body. There is a discipline required to have mm -hmm. maximum performance. We all know that if you're going to be an Olympian, if you're going to be a great athlete or a great musician or a great artist or poet or, or whatever your profession is, it requires discipline. It requires work. It requires training, Absolutely. which isn't, that isn't natural. That doesn't come to us mm -hmm. naturally. That's not what mm -hmm. we want to do when we wake up is I want to get, be disciplined. If we can turn that into a daily routine and a daily habit right. that right. pushes us towards the preferred prize, right? The prize right. of, of right. having our God tell us at the end of our life, well done, good and faithful mm -hmm. servant. Man, if we can keep that in mind, that's that compelling why to push through the pain. A hundred percent. You know, I, I started cycling and I, you know, Eric, again, talked me into doing this uh, charity ride in September. It's 500 miles in five days to ride from the top of the state in New Mexico to the bottom of the state in five days, 100 miles a day. And, wow. you know, I, I'll, you know, I'm riding my bike to work and back, you know, no big deal. And now we're talking about trying to train for a major event like this. I mean, instinctively, I knew that. This is not going to happen by, you know, just riding back and forth to work. We were going to have to tr train. And so all of a sudden I'm, I'm learning about what training means, um, how you have to fit those into, into your daily thing and make it like a habit. This is a normal thing I do. And, and the best way to do that is, is to sm start small. You know, do these little things, you know, I'm going to ride, you know, three times a week, we're going to do it and we'll start with, you know, 15, 30 minute rides, you know, and then, and when you get your routine and it's just the normal thing you do, then it's, it's just a part of what you're doing. You know, we don't rise to our goals. We, we fall to our um, systems, our habits, our processes, what we have in our normal life. So the only way to really get there is to to create these and make it like a habit, make it obvious, make it something you consistently do. Yeah, so that was, that was a crash course in uh, how to get ready for something major. What compelled you to go from I'll ride my bike to work to I will train for a 500 mile ride? Right. So the, the thing was, is, I mean, it's not just a, an event. You know, like, oh, we're going to run a 5K, whatever. I mean, they were trying to raise money for um, missionaries and missions. And and not just, like, to sponsor them with their day-to-day. -day. A lot of times missionaries have, you know, they have their support, but then they need 
extra things like a vehicle or maybe a clean water well put where they're serving or something. And it, these are things that are just outside of the normal budget. So they're much more difficult to acquire. So the group that we're writing for, they're the ones who come in and do this. So uh, an example is there's, there's these missionaries are pulling girls off the red light district in this town and city in India, but they, they didn't have enough vehicles to send the girls safely to school and back. And so, you know, so they were putting them in taxis with leaders, but then they didn't have enough leaders, right? So, you, so now you've got some girls traveling to school without, um, without any covering. And, you know, these people that they took the girls from, they're looking for them, right? So this group comes alongside and buys them a 17-passenger van so that they can transport these kids. So this is clicking in my mind as we're changing the world. We're having an, a direct impact in people's lives. And I want to be a part of that. There had to be times, especially that first year when you're going from a <laughs> daily commuter to a long distance cycler where you just yeah. did not want to do it. You didn't want to get up. Oh, you, didn't yeah. want to continue, yeah. you want to quit on the road. The weather's mm -hmm. bad, whatever. What kept you going? This will be my 10th year. And uh, I, I mean, what kept me going is, again, it, it's in the first year, it was really the camaraderie with, between the guys. We were inspiring each other, encouraging, encouraging each other, riding together. So now I'm like, you know, and I'm not a morning person. So getting up at 630 or five or whatever to go ride a bicycle and, you know, just wasn't, I'm like, you people are can we do this at five o'clock in the evening? You know, we just finished the ride and they're about to do their women's event. So his wife is standing there with a missionary uh, and, and she's a speak she's, she's a speaker. And he, he tells her what we just did in order to raise money for this organization. And she is a recipient of one of the vehicles. Okay. So I'm starting to get choked up. It's all good. She starts, she, she starts crying. Yeah. I'm looking at her like, why are you crying? You know, and it's, it, you know, it just, it's not clicking yet. And she starts explaining through her tears, how critical these vehicles are to their ability to reach people for Christ and that, and how many more people she can impact and, and the value and the, the inspiration it provides them that someone's backing them because it communicates value. Hey, we value what you're doing enough that we're going to give you a vehicle to help you empower you to do it better. And so, she, I mean, she, and I'm like, okay, I'm all in now. I, I was in before, but whatever it takes, I'm, I'm going to do everything I can to, to raise money. I'm going to do everything I can to successfully do this ride. And I'm going to inspire friends around me and people to do this with me because we are making a difference. And that, that concept, that is the driver for me every year for doing this ride. If I become a world-class athlete, if I make it to the Olympics, my goal is to win a gold medal. And we know that mm -hmm. only one person in each sport, in each Olympics gets the gold. Somebody gets a right. silver, somebody gets a bronze. And a lot of athletes who spent their entire life to get there don't even get a prize. As I've studied world-class athletes, championship, you know, level uh, 
athletes and I, and I listened to their stories, most of them after the fact would say that moment was incredible and it was worth all of the work to get there. But now what? The Bible calls us not only to something as amazing as winning a medal, but something that's mm-hmm. eternal, something that has a value even far greater. Um, and I think perhaps we set, set our sights too low sometimes that, that we, you know, we just want to make it through the day. We just want to, you know, mm-hmm. not embarrass ourselves, but we're just trying to maintain. But mm-hmm. God, I think the scripture is clear that God's calling us to a much higher prize. You know, like Sean White, I'm, what a guy, I mean, look what he's done, right? In terms of his gold medals, but what he talked about in his speech, and, and the announcers are talking about is the impact he's had on the sport, how he's inspired up with young, these young kids to get involved. And some of that I was just thinking about that because what we're doing is, and it, it's, it can be challenging and we have to have the same resilience and, and, and focus on the impact that we can have on people's lives because we're, we're, we're connecting them with Jesus Christ. We're putting them in a relationship with God that they can do life with him and his support and him being a part and having that relationship, being able to, you know, I, I had several tough meetings this week where I'm just like, I'm praying before the meeting, God, give me the words and, you know, inspire me, help me to, to see what I need to see so I can do what you say. And, and, and that relationship is, is forever. And, and that, the ability to inspire people to engage in that and be a part of that, it goes beyond the, the, the moments of whatever, you know, you, you know, standing on a podium or, you know, finishing 500. It's that, well, this is what, now we got the money. That's what we're going to do. And these are the lives we're going to change. And that's forever. Yeah. yeah I th- I'm thinking now about the kind of the trajectory of an athlete's career and their life. And you often see, at the early part, they really concentrate all about them, about becoming the best, doing whatever it takes right. to win, right? Mm-hmm. And begin the continual process of getting better and better. But then there's right. this trajectory in every athlete's life, and this part of aging is that right. you realize physically, I can't get any better. In fact, I'm going to start to decline because that's what life does. So mm-hmm. now, now my job is to make life better for those around me. Now my job is to inspire my teammates to to pass on the knowledge and the wisdom and that I've received so that then they I can train up another generation. I can make a difference in their lives, in their sport. So then again, you transfer that to our lives as believers that many of us start out thinking about it's all about me and the transfer transformation in my life. And that's real. It's absolutely real. We we all have stories. I'm sure these that are listening, if if you've entered into a relationship with Jesus, you know the transformation that happens. But I think sometimes over time we get stuck there. We're, we're still thinking about what's in it for me. And the gospel right. is very clear that we don't run the race for ourselves. Right. We run right. the race like Jesus did for the joy of seeing someone else's life changed. And as you told that story about how the ride has impacted actual people in actual lives and not just in the moment for eternity. I just, you know, it reminded me, I, I, I want to mature in my walk, in my, my ride with Christ. So to get beyond what's in it for me, for God, how can you use me to impact right. others, to shed your life, to make a difference? Right. It's the truth, Joe. Uh, when we, when we think about, you know, trying to achieve, because when I first started riding this ride, it was, I wanted to see if I could do it. 
you know, and it really was, you know, how much money can I raise and how fast can I do the ride? What's my fastest entry on the, on the week? And, you know, there were a lot of personal goals and, and that's, that's all of us. We're all like that. Um, we have our thing that we want to get out of whatever we're doing. Right. And the, the, you know, that driveway conversation with the missionary was really the transition point for me in understanding that there's a tremendous amount of fulfillment in inspiring other people forward and empowering people to, to engage in a relationship with God and be able to, to see life change. I mean, there's nothing more rewarding to, than, than saying, uh, man, you're doing so good. Your life is 180 from what it was. And, and being able to do that, there's just, it's, it, it, it transcends happiness. It, it, it transcends even what I would call, I mean, that it's a sense of joy and joy comes from that. But honestly, Joe, there's a level of fulfillment that I have, I have not felt doing anything else, achieving any of my own personal goals than the times where I'm, I'm seeing people move forward in a relationship with Christ. I mean, you just can't, you can't compare that. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I've read a lot of, uh, and listened to a lot of podcasts on self improvement and, you know, making, making the most of your life. And oftentimes the goals are, you know, happiness, fulfillment, success, and defined in very finite earthly terms. Um, and I'm, I'm always reading or listening through the lens of how do I, how does God think about this? You know, how do, how does this apply to me as a follower of Jesus and in, in an eternal sense? And I go back then to keeping my eyes on the prize, as Paul would say. And the prize isn't just that I will stand before God one day and he says, well done. But I can look at all the others that have come to Jesus as well, um, either through direct or indirect influence of my life, just because I was obedient and I believe that there was a higher sense of purpose and meaning for my life. And, and sometimes I think we get caught up in the short-sighted prizes of just temporary happiness, temporary joy. And really what we're all looking for is meaning and purpose. And what can be more meaningful and more purposeful than to introduce others to the God that can love them, forgive them, and bring them you know, into his presence for eternity. What if we focus on the fact that this interaction I'm, I'm having with my coworker Maybe the opportunity where God is gonna speak through me, speak life to them. You know, what if, what if, what if when that lady's coming in my office, she sits in the chair, and all of a sudden she's doing a data dump of how awful her weekend is, and or her concerns about her kids, or I don't know what to do, and and we're like in our minds thinking, look, I got a presentation in two hours. Could you get out of my office instead of thinking, oh, this is a this is a God moment. What if we put ourselves in positions where we're recognizing that God has intentions for the people of this world and we're the messenger and, and that we have the opportunity to share in the blessings of the gospel of Christ. I mean, what if we did that? What if, hey, yeah. Yeah, you know, the, incredible. Absolutely incredible, yeah. You know, the, the Super Bowl, this is a worldwide event. It's, a, you know, a non-official holiday, but everybody knows about it and they make a big deal of it. And the food consumption is off the charts. You know, I've read the statistics this week about how many millions and billions of pounds of food and alcohol and potato chips that we all consume and how many people call off for work on Monday because 
not because necessarily a hangover, but because their body just <laughs> is trying to recover from the consumption. Mm-hmm. And, and it really, mm-hmm. again, that reminds me of how we can take something to celebrate, but we make it all about us. And then there's mm-hmm. negative repercussions for that. And then I was reading uh, this week about two things. One, there's an organization called Super Bowl with its S-O-U-P, Super Bowl, where they take the Super Bowl Sunday as an opportunity to feed people. And then I was reading about this other guy who he started to have Super Bowl parties and he calls them Super Soul parties for the homeless <laughs> in his neighborhood. The guys who would rent the penthouse suite of this high rise building in New York and invite a group of homeless people up for a very lavish Super Bowl party as if they were like executives from a, from a corporation and just treat them as royalty. And they got haircuts and they got, you know, a lot of services while they were there. And started with just a few people, and and now it's caught on, and they're having these super soul Sunday parties for the homeless all over the country. And again, it just it brought me back to the fact that there is something bigger, greater, uh, more fulfilling, and it, it doesn't take you know it doesn't take me to be a world class athlete to make a world class impact on someone's life. Absolutely, gosh, that's so true, Joe. I mean, we just we don't realize the impact we're having on the people around us. I, I actually had this experience with a friend of mine. I moved to Texas recently, and so I met met this guy, and, and we became friends, and and uh, he rides with me. He did the ride with me. I was talking to him one day, and he just, he kind of opened up to me in a way that I hadn't quite seen, and he basically said to me, you, you've had such a huge impact on my life and my relationship with the Lord. And I'm really grateful. And and I just wasn't even necessarily, I just, it blew me away in a way because I, I wasn't necessarily paying attention because it's a habit now for me. It's a thing that I do regularly. He, he blew me away and it, I was, it was so fulfilling in the moment for me. And just this extreme level of gratefulness to the Lord that he gave me an opportunity to impact this guy. And it, it's, it's impacting his relationship with his wife and, you know, and things that we're, we're, we're seeing God move in a big way and in these small increments and, and just, man, I, don't we want that? Don't we want to be able to do that and to to be a part of that? It, the fulfillment, fulfillment is off the charts um, when we live a life that's like that. You know, God might give you a huge dream, but as Robert has said, it starts with small steps. You, you just do a little bit and you move in the direction of the prize of following after Jesus, and who knows where that'll take you. The potential is unlimited for what God can do in us and through us if we're just willing to keep our eyes on Jesus. Do do one small thing this week. Think about one small thing that you could put into practice this week that could put you in a position to inspire somebody forward. Be aware of opportunities because God will put people in your life who need to hear what he's telling you and it, you could change a life you could change a family you could change someone's parenting and the impact they're having on their kids you could save a marriage robert has spoken words of life and encouragement into me as he has received from his friend eric and i just want to remind us all that we're not alone we're in this together we're we're church as a family right and we are here for each other brothers and sisters mothers and fathers god's given us each other and he's given us the Holy Spirit with us at all times. We're never alone. 
Um, and so there is no reason to feel like you're doing this on your own, you know. And if in the times when you need help, reach out. That's that's actually an act of courage to say, I need help. And you'll be amazed how God then will show up through his word, through your brothers and sisters, through places you didn't expect uh, to fill your sails again and compel you forward to that ultimate prize. If this episode was beneficial to you, be sure to pay it forward, sharing it with others who may need a boost as well. Until next time, dream big. Start small, act now. Thank you for tuning in.